one of the questions that comes up most frequently for us as Christians is how to know God's will in different circumstances within our lives. How do you know God's will? How do you know what God's calling us to do? How he's calling us to serve? Where he's calling us to move? The kind of decisions that he causes us to do. Um, there's all kinds of ways that Christians make decisions and, and some of them are, are, are far from biblical. I know that there's Christians that will, will play a, a form of Bible roulette where they'll want to know God's will and kind of like flip through the Bible and say, wherever my finger lands, then I will know that that's what God's calling me to do. It's very biblical. It's from Scripture. No, it's not. It's just making things up. And if it doesn't go with what you want, you think that's a ridiculous way. If it goes with what you want, you say, like, thus saith the Lord. That's what he said. <laughs> People make decisions sometimes based on, on the counsel of others, which can be very good seeking the counsel of others. But it's not without error. We, we, we can't make decisions based on you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to ask as many people as I possibly can. And sometimes you find people doing that. I just want to seek counsel. I want to seek counsel, but they, they keep going till they find somebody that says what they really want to do. And, and although there's such great wisdom in seeking a multitude of counselors, ultimately that is not the foolproof way that God's called us to know his will. Sometimes people will, will want to know God's will based on seeing signs and, and wonders. They're always looking for a sign. God, just show me a sign. If you want me to do this, then show me a sign. And, and, and then you just start looking for signs and you're looking for everything that you want to try to get clarity there. And, and it, can, it can cause us to go in directions that God is not calling us to go towards at all. The Bible says it's an evil and it's a wicked generation that seeks after a sign. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't ever give us signs. But I think there's a difference between God giving us signs and those that are seeking signs. Uh, there's times where God makes things so very clear to us, but there's a big difference between us being in a place of seeking signs and visions and dreams and all of these things versus God ministering in such a way when we are simply seeking His will as revealed to us in Scripture. Sometimes people say that they are going to just go to God in prayer over it. And you'll hear people say, like, I, I was praying, and I said this, and then God said that, and then I said this, and then God said that, and I said this, and then I got mad, and then, you know, and you hear, like, this back and forth, and, and I think more often than not, they say something, and then they have a thought. And they say something else, and then they have a thought. And they attribute it to God as if God's speaking to them, but frequently, more frequently than not, I would say that they have thoughts and they're always, well, is this from God? Is this from God? Is this from God? Sometimes people will measure how to make a decision by whether they have a peace about it. And um, there's great wisdom in, in looking to see, like, do, do we have a peace about this from the Lord? But our consciences have the ability to be so seared that we could have a peace about something that is not of God at all. Not of God at all. We, we, we feel comfortable. We want that. We have a peace about it. But that is not what God's calling us towards. For other people, they look for open and closed doors. And they're constantly looking to say, like, well, why did God open that door if he didn't want us to go through it? Why did he close that door if he didn't want us to stop? 
And they, they live a life of looking for open and closed doors. Brothers and sisters, there's doors that open that lead to elevator shafts. You don't want to go through that one. You don't want to go in a direction of like, there's a door, it's open, let's go. She likes me. It must be a miracle. Should marry her. No, no. you don't make decisions on open and closed doors. But God very much sometimes opens doors and he closes doors and we see that to take place. But when you find it in scripture, they're looking back upon it and seeing that there was a door that was closed. There was a door that had been opened unto us. For us as believers, everything that we need to do needs to be found in relationship to what God says in his perfect and holy word. We ought to be making decisions based on what does God say in the text. We need to be prayerfully coming to God and saying, God, please show me and give me wisdom through your word. Show me my heart. Examine my heart. Where is my heart in these things? What is going to be most to the glory of God based on what you say in Scripture? What are the principles that are there? Help me to think biblically. Help me to be in a place where I'm seeking your will, not in signs and wonders, not looking at, at, at everything that, ha- that happens to go by or a passing comment of somebody. Why they say that? Why they say that? What do they mean by that? I, was that God speaking to me? Where you're, you're constantly playing this game of just always trying to hear from God from different signs and wonders and everything else, but being in a place of God. The measuring rod is, what do you say in your word? Cause me to think biblically. And then be at a place of, now what do you want me to do? Um, We have two pastors that are here that are 96 years old. Pastor Bill Acton, 96 years old. And Pastor Eduardo Hernandez, who's in the back corner over there. 96 years old. Pastor Bill Acton pastored several different churches. Uh, Harbor Trinity Baptist Church in, in Costa Mesa area from 1955 to 1963. Um, he pastored within Hume Lake when Hume Lake Christian Camp started and, and ran portions of the camp and led in teaching there at the camp. He pastored... Lincoln Village Baptist Church from 1963 to 1968 wanted to, to after starting this church in, in, in Costa Mesa, the, the, in pastoring this church there that was just thriving, um, he said, let's go to a rural church. Let's start where there's nobody. Moved up to, to Sacramento. There's a cow pasture there. Starts a church there next to the cow pasture. Doesn't know who's coming. He, I, I met with Pastor Bill this last week. He said, one family came. I think they had like five kids. And he said, our church doubled that week. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. And, and a church that, that, that's there ministering to military families and having various races that are there within the church and watching these people come. And, and, and uh, he said, it was the, he, Pastor Bill said it was, it was the most wonderful thing we, we had two black people and Faye singing worship and 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 they were there and Faye was always in the middle and he said we just called them the oreos 
If you know Pastor Bill, you know that, that he means that like in the, the sweetest way possible. But back then, just being at a place of, he's like, I just, we, we loved people of all different races that came to our church. It was the most wonderful thing. And you're seeing that there's no regard for, for color or of skin. It was just, these are God's people. And, and he said it was the sweetest time. Pastor Bill said, my time in Sacramento was with, with that little tiny church and watching God build it and watching God grow. He goes, I think that was my favorite time in ministry. And just hearing his heart of how God did that. He went from there and, and because of some needs of family members, he moved back down and, and, and pastored a, a church as an interim pastor in, in, from, from 1968 to 1970 called University Baptist Church. From there, he pastored at Mariner's Church from 1970 to 1983. And after 13 years there, started Grace Fellowship from 1983 to 1993. And that church still exists in Costa Mesa and doing great. He stepped down from there in 1993 and started a Royal Bible Church. Pastored there from 1993 to 2005. But then in 2005, he started Reverence Bible Church with us. Seven different churches that he pastored over 60-some years of ministry. And you got to think that during that time, there was frequently times of just heartache of leaving and going someplace and just being like, but God's called us towards this. Or God's called us to stay. Or God's called us to serve in this other area. And just being in a place of what is God's will for us. Pastor Eduardo Hernandez pastored Presbyterian Church and he pastored in Cuba, three different churches. From there, he came to the United States and pastored three different churches here in the United States. He, he's been chief editor of study Bibles and commentaries and highly, highly respected within the Christian community of serving in, in his writing skills as well as pastoring. And you think of leaving your country, Cuba, coming to the United States, serving here, faithful in ministry and, and making decisions of should we move, should we go? Where should we go next? What is God calling us to do? And in these times, we got to be in a place of not simply looking for open doors and closed doors, but coming into God's word and saying, what is most to God's glory? What is he calling us to do? God's not a God that is out there to confuse us with all kinds of different things, but he's very clear in the pages of scripture to call us in ways in which he will enable us to serve him. Frequently, I think people try to make decisions and pray through things of what God's calling them to do when the Bible is very clear in it. There's commands that are given in Scripture that are so clear, and it's for your good. It's for your good. God's not out to ruin your fun. It's for your good, and it's for His glory that you are in a place of submitting to His holy word and trusting His holy word to give you counsel. You don't have to pray through things as far as like, should I sin in this area? Or should I sin in that area? Or should I rebel and go in this direction? Or should I you know, be a, a, a good husband or a bad husband? Should I, you, know, you, you don't need to go through and, and, and pray this or seek a sign in these things, but be at a place of simply humbling yourselves and being in obedience to God's perfect word. 
knowing that God calls us and makes things clear to us in the pages of Scripture. In Acts chapter 15 and going into the beginning of Acts chapter 16, you see the early church and you watch the Lord working in them and through them. You see decisions that are being made and you watch in which they make those decisions and how these things take place. But there is no question that the heart of God's people was to be in submission to his word, to his word. My encouragement to you this morning is this is may God's word be that which binds us. That's which we look to as far as, Lord, what are you calling us towards? How do we glorify you most in this life? How should I think? How should I live? How should I act? What are the words that should come forth from my mouth? How is it that we ought to live this Christian life and have it be where it is founded in the pages of Scripture? We think biblically. Part of that is knowing God's Word. God, just I want to just dive into Your Word. I want to know Your Word so that I develop a heart that is after Your own heart because You've given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Everything in the pages of Scripture. In Acts chapter 15 and verse 33 are, are, is where we left off last week. And it comes to, to this passage where it says, and, and after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So Paul and Barnabas go and they're in Antioch. Silas remains but they're in a place of, what are we doing? We are teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. We're preaching and teaching the word of the Lord. You think of when Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18, he comes and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And so they're making decisions and 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 coming from a place of God, you have called us to make disciples, you've called us to proclaim the gospel, you've called us to teach your word, you've called us to teach you all things that you've commanded us and, and, and to teach them in such a way and to go in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And what you find here is here they are. We're going to stay here for a time. Silas is going to remain here. Paul and Barnabas, they're going to go to Antioch. They're going to stay there for a period of time, but they're all teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. They're in a place of this is what God has called us to do. In verse 36, it says, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Let's now leave this place. Let's go from Antioch. Let's go to all the, the, the cities that we've preached to and, and, and visit them. And let's see how they're doing. There is just a, a love for the brethren. It's all biblical as far as just being in a place of 
we love these people. We want to encourage these people. We want to teach these people. You hear it, Paul's heart in these things. In Romans chapter 1, in, in, in verse 1, it begins, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. <clears throat> it's just how he sees himself. I'm, I'm a bondservant of Christ. I, I, I give my life entirely to him. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to him. I'm called to be an apostle. I've, I've been separated to the gospel of God. God set me apart for the purpose of the gospel. You hear his heart where in verse 9 he says, <clears throat> He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Make him request that by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And, and you hear his heart in this. And this is for us at a place of thinking biblically. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write this. And, and he's just, God's my witness. I, I don't stop praying for you. I don't stop praying for you. I don't cease praying for you. I, I want to find a way, if it's the will of God, to come to you. I just want to come. I want to spend time with you. I, I want to impart some spiritual gift to you. So that you can be established. So that you can be built up. I, just, I, I want you to be built up as a result of the ministry that God's called me towards. In verse 14, he says, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And you hear it in his heart, it's just, as much as is in me, Every bit of me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Not ashamed of it. It's the power of God unto salvation. And you find that in, in the way in which he lives in Acts 15 and 16. He's making decisions. It's just as much as is in me, I want to come to you. I want to encourage you. I want to preach the gospel because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. His view of God is so great that it's just, this is what you've called me towards. This is who you are. This is the gospel message. This is the church. I love them. I love you. I love the proclamation of the gospel. I want the, the lost to hear it. It's the power of God unto salvation. I have so much confidence that God will accomplish his purpose in spite of me. That, that he just has great boldness to say, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there and I'm going to do this and I want to be with this church and I want to encourage them here and I don't stop praying for you because God's the one that does the work. And, he, and his view of, of, of God and his view of the church and his view of God's people is such that, that there is this just drive to, to passionately live his life for the gospel and for God's glory. It's where he's at. Now, verse 37, it says, Now Barnabas was determined to take with him with them, John called Mark. 
But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to do the work or to, to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Saul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. That had to be a hard decision, right? Here's Paul and Barnabas. It's Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. You hear it over and over again. Paul and Barnabas. They go and serve. They went to this city and that city and that city. Paul and Barnabas. They serve. Paul's the one that's teaching. Barnabas is the one that's the encourager. He's known as the encourager. And here you have these two guys and, and Barnabas, the encourager, saying, can we please take with us John Mark? Paul's saying, no. I don't want him to come with us. He departed from us last time. In the midst of everything that was taking place, he left. I don't want him coming with us again. And, and we're told here in, in the text that, that, that there was a strong contention that, 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 that took place. It wasn't something that was, was small. It was something that was significant. And in a place of saying, I don't, I don't want him to come. Part of the decision-making here comes from the fact that John Mark was not faithful in the beginning. There's consequences to his sin. There's consequences to where he was at, to where Paul's at a place of, I know where we're going. I know what we're about ready to do. I know the, the, all that, that's at stake with it. And I don't want him coming. He left last time. And I don't want him to, to be coming. Barnabas is at a place where he's like, well, John Mark, he's my cousin. He made bad decisions back then, but let's give him another chance. Let's, let's, let's be in a place, let's, let's encourage him. Let's let him come again. Let's give him a second opportunity. And Paul's just saying, no, I don't want him with us this time. Scripture doesn't tell us who was right and who was wrong. May not be one that was right and one that was wrong. All that it tells us is that they were there, they didn't agree, and we find that Paul insisted that they should not take with him the one that departed. And so Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus. Barnabas says, I'll go someplace else then. Paul says, okay, I'm going to take Silas and then I'm going to go. And they do. What we know from Scripture, though, is that in, in Colossians 4.10, we hear Paul speaking and he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. You find later on when, when, when Paul's talking about John Mark, when he comes to you, Colossians, welcome him. There, there, there's not a bitterness that continues throughout ministry. There's forgiveness, there's restoration. Even you, you find it at, at the end of Paul's life when he's in a prison cell, he says, 
in 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas, Demas loved the present world, and so he's, he's left me. Can you get Mark and bring him with you? For he's useful to me for ministry. How precious is that? At the end of his life, this one who Paul said, I don't want him coming with me. At the end of his life, he's saying, can you have Mark come? He's so useful for me for ministry. Bring him. There's a sweetness there within the body. And yet by God's providential hand, he separated these two. One went in one direction. The other went in another direction. And God was glorified through it all. God's hand was over every bit of it. But they're making decisions based on the things that, that God's called them towards. And for one, he says, I don't want him going. The other one says, like, I do want him going. Neither one, we're told, was in sin. They just they went in different directions. And yet there was sweet restoration that took place even after. In verse 41, it says, And, and he went through Syria and, and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Decisions are being made, and here you have Paul and Silas. And they go to these different regions, and their joy there, their calling there is, let's strengthen the churches that are there. Let's be there and, and strengthen them. Teach them from God's Word. Cause them to think biblically. Encourage them in how they ought to be living. Show them from the pages of Scripture what God is doing, what He has done, how we can clearly understand the gospel let's build them up in their faith and that's where they're they're there strengthening the churches it doesn't say and they went about entertaining the churches they don't go there just hanging out with the, the, the different churches they're there with a purpose and, and and their purpose is we want to strengthen the churches that are there and then they came to to derbe and and, and lystra and behold a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. There's details that are given here in, in Acts 16, verse 1. You come to the, this, this new person that's there, and it's Timothy. Timothy, Timothy, young Timothy. Timothy that we read about in First and Second Timothy, these letters that are given. Paul talks about him in Second Timothy 1. He says in verse 2, to Timothy, my beloved Son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of you, of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, for I'm persuaded is in you also. Young Timothy, beloved Timothy, I don't stop praying for you day and night. I don't stop praying for you. I can't wait to see you. I want you to be filled with joy. Paul loves this man. Your genuine faith it was first in your grandmother and in your mother. 
how precious it is that this grandmother and mother are mentioned. We have grandmas here. We have moms here. Your passion is to point your kids towards Christ. Your passion is to raise them in the ways of the Lord. Your passion is to be a grandmother that just, your grandkids might just see Christ in you. See something different in you. And to look at a text like this and and see that here's this grandma and she's just loving and pouring herself into this young boy, Timothy. Mom as well, they're both saved. And let's just pour ourselves into this, this young man. And God works us in an awesome way through it. Notice in 2 Timothy 3.14 where it says, Paul says to Timothy, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood, you've known the Holy Scriptures. From childhood. From childhood, you knew Scripture. Why? Because of grandma and mom. From childhood, you knew Scripture. Because grandma and mom poured that into you. From childhood, you do these things, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. And grandma and mom, they planted that in you. The way that Timothy was to make decisions was through Scripture, given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. He thought biblically. He was raised biblically. He was raised in a place where he bled Scripture. He thought in a way of, what's God's will? Well, what does Scripture say? I, I think of the, the young kids in, in our church where they're just, they're, they're growing, they're learning, they're studying God's Word, they're having Scriptures place in in their memories they're learning to think biblically from childhood knowing that that's what that's how we know god's will that's how we know how we might be saved that's how we know who we are that's how we know all things pertaining to life and to godliness is through god's word well in verse two it says he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in lystra in iconium In 2 Timothy 3.10, Paul says to Timothy, but you be careful, uh, but, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them the Lord delivered me. T- Timothy, remember when you were a young boy and you saw all that took place in Antioch and Iconium at Lystra? What happened there? You remember in Acts 14 where they took Paul, they dragged him out of the city after he was stoned. They thought he was dead. But what happened? He's there and the disciples are all around him and they're just broken that he's dead and he's been stoned to death. And Paul rose up. And they go back into the city again. And Paul's saying, Timothy, you remember that? You remember what happened there in Lystra? You were there. You saw this. And he did. In verse 3, it says, Paul wanted to have him go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were at that re- in that region. 
for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, this is a tough decision, isn't it? Taking, taking him and saying, okay, your father's Greek. Everybody knows that. Your mom's Jewish, but you haven't been circumcised. You need to be circumcised. And, and we go back to the last couple of weeks, right? And, and think like, but wait a second. That's like the Judaizers. The Judaizers are saying you need to be circumcised. Paul's saying the opposite. Paul says in, in Galatians 5, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who comes, becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. Keep the whole law. If you're going to be circumcised, if you're going to go back under the law, then keep the whole law. And so we, we think of this, and, and then we think of Paul, and we think of the Judaizers, and we think of the contentions that Paul had with others, saying, like, this is wrong. You don't force them to go back under the law. They're freed from the law. And now here he is with Timothy saying, you're going to be circumcised. Where does that come from? It comes from the fact that Paul was a person who says we're, we're going to a group of Jews in this region, and they're going to be stumbled by the fact that you haven't been circumcised. Your mom's Jewish and your dad's Greek, but you've never been circumcised. Be circumcised. We think of 1 Corinthians 9.19 where Paul says, For though I'm free from all men, I'm free. I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. I'm a servant to everybody. I just want, I want to win the more. To the Jews, I become as a Jew, that I might win Jews. And that's where the circumcision comes in. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. I wanted to win Jews. The, okay, so be circumcised. If it's going to win Jews, do it. It, it. It's something that's more important that we might win them. Let's not stumble them. That we might win those who are under the law as under the law. That I might win those who are, un, I'm sorry, to those who are without law as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ. That I may win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by some means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. If it's going to win those that are under the law, then let's place ourselves under it. There's such a passion for the gospel. I think of, of Brandon, who goes to our church, where he just goes and, and, and he serves the homeless. Not always, but sometimes he'll go and just sleep in the creek with them. Why? That he might win them. It's not that he doesn't like the comfort of his bed or his home or being under shelter. It's being at a place of all becomes all things to all men that I might win some. I just want to win some. I'll give up the liberties that I have for the sake of the gospel. There is a passion for the gospel. And they make decisions based on it. Hard ones. In Acts 16, verse 4, it says, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. Increased in number daily. Paul was pouring himself into ministry and encouraging 
Timothy and Silas as well. I think of when he says in 1 Timothy 4.12 to Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect, neglect, neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Give yourself entirely to these things. Paul led by example. Timothy and Silas followed. Now when they had gone in verse 6 through Phrygia and in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go and preach the word in Asia. What is that? that? That's a closed door. Was it that Paul sitting there going and say, is there an open door there? Is it a closed door there? Do I go? Weather's bad. Must be a closed door. Let's not go. No, he just, in hindsight, looks back and says, the door to Asia was closed. The Holy Spirit for, had forbidden us to go there. We didn't go there. Did he want to go there? Yes. On his third missionary journey, he was permitted to go to Asia. Acts 19, verse 10, it says, And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Verse 20 says, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Did they go to Asia? Yes. But they went when God permitted them to go. You see them walking in the Spirit and being in a place of recognizing God's sovereignty and the decisions that they were making, where it's like, I really want to go here, but God says, not now. And I'll trust him. I want to do what's most to the glory of God. I want to preach the gospel. I want to make disciples. And so I'm going to go to this city and that city and this city, but he doesn't let me go to Asia right now. I want to go there, but the Holy Spirit has not permitted that. Verse 7, after they had come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. They wanted to go to another area but the Holy Spirit did not permit them. So passing by, Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. God spoke directly to him. Paul wasn't looking for a God to show me in a dream. Show me in a vision. No, God just did that. God's working in a way of causing his glory to be revealed. And so he doesn't permit them to go to one area, but causes them to go to another area. Come over to Macedonia to, and help us. Think about that for missions. How radical is that? Come to this place and help us. Go to this place, help them. How do we help them? We help them with the ministry of the gospel, preaching the gospel. They're in desperate need of the gospel. They need to be built up through the gospel. They need to be encouraged in the gospel. They need to see the love of the saints for them, that, that they would see Christ in us. He wants to help them. 
In verse 10, it says, Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice what they're doing, preaching the gospel to them. May we never do a mission trip that's not centered on the gospel. Amen? Everything ought to be centered upon the gospel. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city at that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who, who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. God had plans. God had plans that were different than Paul's plans, different than Silas's plans, different than, than Timothy's plans. But God was going to accomplish his purposes. We, we almost took our family to Myanmar with Guastaferos and Lindsay Oliveira and Janice. Jim Milligan, we almost went. Our plans were to go, but God didn't permit us. I'm sure we're going to go, but at that time, he didn't permit us. I was thinking back of what took place in the interim of the time that we didn't go, and I think of how my son got to go to a wrestling camp down at Carlsbad. I thought of this girl that was there that I shared about with you several weeks ago, where she was there and grew up in group home, had gone through all kinds of stuff, said that during that camp was the longest time she hadn't done drugs in years because she wasn't allowed to. And that Mark Munoz, the UFC fighter, asked me to go talk with her. She's sitting there on a bench underneath this gigantic tree I'm walking back from dinner and I see her there and I'm like, that's the girl he wants me to talk with. Sit down and talk with her for over an hour and just sharing the gospel with her all the way through and just hearing her. She's like, I've prayed and God doesn't ever hear me or answer me. And I just said to her, do you think there's any chance that he did? Did you think that when you came to this camp that you would meet a UFC fighter that's a Christian? Not a lot of them. Did you think that like some pastor would come sit next to you on this bench and just share the gospel with you? Is there any chance that God's speaking to you and ministering to you and you had no idea that it was coming, but he's doing it? And she just started to weep. Never thought of it like that. And you think like, could we have ministered to dozens or hundreds of people in Myanmar? Yeah. But did he call us to stay here for that time? Yeah, maybe just for one girl. I don't know what the rest of the people that did that were supposed to go, but maybe it was for someone that you ministered to. But to be in a place that we view God that way, as far as like, we're going to go and preach the gospel here and even to the uttermost parts of this world. 
We want to strengthen the churches. We want to be a blessing. And, and we're not looking for open doors and closed doors, but there's sometimes where God and His perfect providence and sovereignty, He opens doors and He closes doors, and we trust those things. We submit to those things. And we look and we say, but may wherever I'm at, may I live biblically, consistent with the pages of Scripture. May I make decisions like that. May I have a passion for the gospel and Christ and Him crucified and forgiveness of sins that comes through faith in Christ. And may I proclaim that and have it be where that, that as much as is in me, that's what I want to do. Because it's biblical. But to be in a place of making decisions, not by signs and wonders and open doors and closed doors and trying to hear voices and trying to see things and talking to as many people as we can, but being in a place of, I'm going to dive into your word and trust the Holy Spirit through prayer to cause his word to come alive to me. And God help me not to toy with sin because my conscience is so seared that I don't even think I can have a peace about anything. <laughs> but to be in a place of, I want to be biblical. You may be in a place this morning where you're trying to make a decision. Hard decisions, big decisions, ones that matter. I encourage you of this morning, what does God say in his word? Who is the God that you serve? Trust him. May he be most glorified in your life as he works through you molding you, shaping you, conforming you through the perfect revelation that is found in his holy word. May there be a maturity that is here that doesn't chase after all kinds of things because a bus drove by and had a sign on it. May we make decisions because God calls us to these things in the pages of scripture. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. Um, I pray that, that, that you would just use this passage to uh, these verses to enable us to see the passion that was in the early church in your people making decisions for what was to be the most to your glory trusting your direction trusting your leading we see someone get saved and her whole household we watch it happen because you directed all of it. May we be in a place where we trust you and trust your word. We make decisions based on what you tell us in scripture, knowing that it's good for us. And may there be just an absolute passion in us for the proclamation of the gospel, the making of disciples, the strengthening of churches here and even to the uttermost parts of this world so that you might be most glorified in our lives. Keep us from fear. Keep us from weakness. Keep us from small view of small thoughts about you. That you might accomplish just great things through your enabling, your calling, your Holy Spirit who works in us, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And we praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.